This episode of Brass Bonanza is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. This episode of Brass Bonanza features an interview with Glenn Wesley. Glenn was very forthcoming on a number of topics, including his time in Hartford, his feelings toward Brendan Shanahan, and what he felt during the last Whalers home game. Hope you guys enjoy it. Now, let's get to our conversation with Glenn Wesley. Glenn, first, let's start with this. You had a unique perspective uh, on really Whalers history. You saw both sides of the Whalers-Bruins rivalry. What sort of preconceived ideas did you have about Hartford and the franchise you were joining before you, you, you joined up with the Whalers? Well, for me, I, I think the biggest thing I did is, you know, my wife and I did a lot of homework of, you know, what was in the area. And, and we knew, for one, that, uh, you know, they supported the team well. It was great for young families who actually, you know, had kids and were able to uh, raise them in the area. And it was a great place to live. Like you were, you were very close uh, in proximity to a number of great restaurants and, and uh, schools in the area. So there was a lot of positive things that uh, we did our homework with before we, we decided that it was going to eventually be Hartford. Did you feel any extra pressure coming in because they did give up three draft picks for you? You know, in the back of your mind, I think, you know, they, you, you realize that, you know, you put extra pressure on yourself, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you can't worry about, you know, what's outside of what, you know, the team ended up giving up. I, I, I had nothing to do with that. It had everything to uh, do with, you know, Jim Rutherford, and he is the one who pulled the trigger on it. And I'm thankful that uh, everything, you know, worked out for the franchise, you know, for them. And we went on to win the Stanley Cup. But but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you just have to go out and you have to play. And you can't worry about putting extra pressure, extra expectations. You can only control what you can do on the ice. And and uh, that's, that's the biggest part that... Uh, I think anybody can learn from this is that there's uh, only expectations that you can meet for yourself and not anybody else. That first year that you spent in Hartford, you guys had a boatload of talent on that roster. It was you, Verbeek, Pronger, Castles, Sean Burke, Sanderson, but it just never really kind of seemed to come together for you. You guys had a slow start and it looked like you just never recovered. What was it about that team that maybe didn't necessarily show up when you talk about wins and losses in the bottom line. I think, I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, for that team was, you know, we, we probably failed to, to meet the expectations and, and if we would have gotten off to a better start and, you know, been coming out of the gate, a, a much, uh, you know, better team. I, I think things would have maybe been a little bit different, but in saying that, 
you know, as a group, we probably, there was a lot of, uh, you know, moving parts, Mm -hmm. uh, so to say, and, and, uh, we probably didn't gel quick enough. And, and obviously, uh, with Paul Holmgren there, they decided to, you know, make a change after that season. And it's, uh, you know, we, we just, we just never clicked as a group, unfortunately. Some of the same the next year you guys had Shanahan, but it was clear for whatever reason, he had his own reasons. He wanted out pretty quickly. A lot of hockey fans in Connecticut are still a little angry with the way they perceived as to how he handled things. My question really is, does he get a bad rap? I mean, he led the team in scoring. He played in 74 of the 82 games that year. Is the anger toward him justified? Yeah, I think so. You know, as, as a player, you feel that, you know, he bailed out on us as a teammate, you know, it's, it's uh, his prerogative. He didn't want to play there. Uh, we kind of knew it right from the start that he wasn't going to be around very much. I, I think, you know, he wanted to uh, be in the spotlight and, you know, so be it for him, but, you know, it's unfortunate and he can tell you that uh, he said, he didn't want out, but at the end of the day, you know, we knew the writing was on the wall that uh, he wasn't happy, you know, being there. And, and, you know, I think uh, his character speaks for itself of, you know, the type of player that he was. How did that maybe manifest itself either on the ice or, or, you know, during practice or in the room? Did, did you see any sort of incidents that where things maybe got a little tense? Uh I don't think things were tense, but you could just, you could see it on his face. Like he, he didn't want to be in Hartford and and that was the bottom line. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, that happens. I, I, I think it happens around the league all the time now, no matter, you know, who you are or what you do and, and you have the right to be able to, to go wherever you want, but it, but at the end of the day, he he didn't want to be a Hartford Whaler, and uh, we were happy to get you know what we got for him, and and were able to move on. You were there for that last season in Hartford, and one of the things that some guys on that last roster have told me is that the uncertainty really started to wear on them after a while. The, the other thing was that guys said there were points in the season where the owner was holding these meetings with you guys and saying, okay, we're going to Columbus. No, we're going to Carolina. How did that season play out from your perspective? And how much did that uncertainty really start to wear on you guys? Well, I think for us, we tried to really focus on the ice, but but at the end of the day, you know, in the back of your mind, you have no idea you know, where you're going to be living for one and, and where you're going to have to uproot your family uh, for the second part. And, and, uh, and the hardest part was just trying to stay focused day to day. And in the back of your mind, you know, that this is possibly it. And, and uh, it was, you know, to be honest, it, it was very, very difficult. You know, like people can make fun of uh, Hartford, but at the end of the day, it was, it was a great place to be able to play uh, as I said, to be able to raise a family and, and uh, you know, a great area to be able to do, you know, a number of things that uh, you can enjoy off the ice. So it, 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 uh, it all depends on who you are and where you are in your career, but we really enjoyed, you know, living there and, and uh, you know, it was, it was difficult, you know, with what went on and obviously the last game that uh, we played there. 
What do you remember about that last game? A lot of guys say that it was Deneen's speech, you know, the decision to go back out on the ice after, you know, the, you know, the final horn. What, what sticks out for you the most about that last game? Well, I think when the game ended, uh, you know, what sticks out the most is just the, the people in the stands, you know, they were, you know, they were crying and, and you could see it on everybody's faces that they didn't want to lose their team. And that was the, that was the most difficult thing that, uh, that, you know, leaves, leaves a mark, you know, on you forever of being able to be a part of the community, be a part of the city and, the, and the people that supported us. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, ripping your heart apart, you know, seeing that happen. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, uh, don't understand that, that it's, it's very difficult, you know, when, uh, when teams have to be relocated and it was, uh, it was very difficult and, uh, <laughs> it'll never be forgotten from, from my perspective. That last year, at least statistically, was your best year in Hartford. Six goals, 26 assists. What was clicking for you that year as opposed to maybe, you know, your first two years with the Whalers? Well, I think you just start to settle in and, and uh, be comfortable with your, you know, with your teammates, with your surroundings. You know, the coaching staff kind of understood, you know, what type of player I was. And, and that probably took a little bit of time, a little bit of an adjustment for me, but it, you know, in saying that it was, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while for you to, to, to get going, to get moving. And, and uh, you know, I had, I had high expectations for myself and, and I did, you know, play as well as I could have my, my first two years there when, when I arrived and, and, you know, like I said, the third year kind of started to click for me and started to get into a groove. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain. You play with, mm -hmm. you play with different defensemen partners and uh, sometimes you just, you know, get a chemistry going and, and that's the way it works out. You end up going to Carolina with the Hurricanes and having great success, a great long career. You win a Stanley Cup. What was that moment like for you? Everyone has a different memory of when they get to hoist the cup for the first time. But what was that like for you? Well, I, I said, the, you know, the easiest thing to, you know, talk about is, a, you know, if you're a mountain climber, is you climb Mount Everest. It's, it's the pinnacle, you know, for, uh, for everybody in their career as a hockey player to be able to, to win a Stanley Cup. And I was fortunate to be a, a, a piece of that puzzle there with that team that we were all all able to uh, achieve something that we wanted to as a group and you know as we had set out at the start of the season and and we achieved that that goal and and uh it was you know it's just something you'll never forget you know as as a family you know seeing your seeing your kids and seeing your wife you know your yourself as a player your teammates the management the training staff it's uh you know, it, it, it goes through everybody, the, you know, the fans. So it was, uh, it was an incredible moment. We've seen the highlights, the numbers, all of that. You weren't a teammate of his in Hartford, but you guys connected later on in his career in Carolina. Tell me about playing with and against Ron Francis and his importance to the Whalers franchise when you faced him with the Bruins in the late 80s and the early 90s in particular. 
Well, Ronnie is, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why he is a hall of famer. Just, just, you know, hall of famers are able to, uh, you know, elevate their game year in year out and play at the highest level possible. And I think that's what, what Ronnie did. He was a, he was a great example, a great leader, you know, great in the locker room, just went about his business. He didn't have to say a whole lot. But uh, Ronnie was a true pro, and I was fortunate to be able to play with him in, in Carolina for the five years. And, and uh, you know, he's a, he's a class act. I'm curious, in your time with the Bruins, when Ron was traded in 1991, as a member of the Bruins, did you guys look at that franchise any differently after he left? Or was there any sort of feeling like, okay, look, Francis is gone, they made that trade? And, and maybe you could include, you know, Ulf Samuelson in that in that conversation as well. But the team and the franchise, something seemed to pivot in that moment. And I'm interested to see if you as a member of the Bruins could see that from the outside. Well, we were happy for that trade because we knew that, you know, they weren't going to be the, the same team that they were in the past. And, and, and I think if, uh, you know, they had to make that trade again, I don't think they ever would have because that changed, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's hockey club. And that that's why they went on to win, you know, a couple consecutive Stanley cups there. But in saying that, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie was difficult to play against. Like he, he was, he was, uh, you know, he saw the ice so well, his vision. Uh, he was a great two-way centerman, uh, very deceptive, you know, really good on the face-off circle. So, you know, he had, he had all those intangibles. I think that he wanted as a centerman, you know, big, big and strong up the middle. And that's what, you know, teams have to build themselves around to have success, to be a Stanley Cup contender. But, um, you know, as, as a group of us in Boston at the time, you know, I, I think you're uh, more than elated to, to see, uh, you know, a guy like Ronnie leave, a guy who, uh, you know, like Ulf Samuelson, he was very difficult to play against and, and uh, you know, nasty and just, you know, played, played uh, you know, on the edge all the time and, and uh, you know, not having to play against him anymore. I think anybody would enjoy that. What do you think is the lasting legacy of the franchise? And I'm asking everybody this, is it the logo? Is it the, you know, was it the song brass bonanza? Is it the relationship between the players and the fans? <laughs> what is it in your mind that, that we have, that people have? It sounds like it might be brass bonanza by the sound of that laugh. Well, I, I think it's all those things. It's, it's the fans, uh, you know, that's one of the lasting memories that I have of, of uh, the support and, and uh, the last game I was able to play there. It's, uh, it's the logo. It's, it's an incredible, uh, you know, jersey to be able to put on. And, and you, to this day, you see it everywhere. And it's probably even, uh, probably as a player to look back on it and, and uh, you know, recognize the logo and just see the, you know, the tr tradition and the history with, you know, the, the house there and, and uh, you know, going back to the world hockey association and, and uh, them coming into the NHL and how, you know, the, the, the logo changed, you know, a, a little bit. And, and it was, uh, it was very special to be able to, uh, to wear that. 
one of the things that former owner Howard Baldwin said was that the Whalers were like the Green Bay of hockey, the Green Bay Packers of hockey. And, and you've alluded to it a couple of times, that level of community that was built. The Whalers were certainly not a large market team, but I think in a lot of ways, at least in their heyday, that played in their favor because it was such a small community, it was such a tight community, it was such an intimate community, the connection between the players and the fans, that really made it a memorable place, I think, for a lot of people. Well, it did. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a great comparison, uh, you know, to, to have a small market and, and, a and a building that, uh, you know, was full and, and, uh, loud and, uh, could be very intimidating to play in, uh, you know, when other teams came in besides the Rangers and the Bruins, but, in, <laughs> but in saying that, uh, it was, it was a fun place to play. Like everybody, you know, there was a lot of players that made fun of them all, but it was a fun place to play in. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, great to uh, have the support of the community and and uh, the small businesses that, that were there and were able to support. So it was it was definitely, uh, you know, a great chapter in my career that I really enjoyed uh, being able to be a part of. Glenn, what are you up to these days? Uh, this is my you know, fifth year in player development with the St. Louis blues. So I've, I've enjoyed, uh, continuing to, uh, hopefully be a good mentor to a lot of the young guys and, and, uh, that have, that have been drafted, uh, whether they're in junior or college. And I still get out on the ice with our, uh, minor league team here in Springfield and, uh, able to work with, with, uh, our young guys and, and, uh, you know, hopefully have a little bit of a, a fingerprint that you leave on with some of these guys and, and make them uh, better players uh, when they make that jump. One of the things we say here on the Brass Bonanza podcast is this is dedicated to keeping the memory of our favorite hockey team alive. And so I want to thank you for doing your part to keep the memory of the Whalers alive. So thank you very, very much for your time. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. No problem. I appreciate it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> 